understand it's essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night. Again, wrestling fans, and welcome to episode number 114 of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. My name is Sean, and I'm coming to you from London, Ontario, Canada. It is Sunday, July 19th, and it is the afternoon of WD's latest presentation, The Horror Show at Extreme Rules, which is going to happen later on tonight on the WD Network. And last night, Impact Wrestling had Slammiversary. So today I'm going to run down everything that's going on between those two shows, what happened last night, what I'm predicting for tonight, along with a rundown of Fight for the Fallen from AEW. We're we'll back after these messages. If you're looking for insight on the hottest wrestling topics going on today and interviews, join Chris Maloney and myself each and every Thursday at 8 p.m. On TNT, Thursday Night Throwdown, we're joined by different panel of guests, commentators, and interviews as we break down the week in world of wrestling. You won't want to miss it, and you can be a part of it too. That's TNT Thursday Night Throwdown, each and every Thursday night on Twitch and Facebook at 8pm. Hey wrestling fans, it's Sean from Scumbags Wrestling. Have you checked out our latest t-shirt design? inspired by our friends over at London Comic Con. Nigel Lewis of NCL Studios came up with this amazing design of a comic book cover. It features 22 stars of the Ontario Independent Wrestling scene, including Cody Diener, Jody Threat, Casey Spinelli, Tyson Dukes, Brent Banks, Tara, Sebastian Spaugh, Alala Beefcake, graduates of the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory, and many more. You can get your t-shirt for just $30, or buy the poster for $15. Proceeds from this sale are going to go to Sick Kids Hospital in Toronto on behalf of Stephen's Wrestling Journey. Stephen is an eight-year-old fighting cure malformation, and they're searching for a cure. You can contact me either through our Facebook page, Scumbags Wrestling, or email me at scumbagswrestling at gmail.com. Get yourself a green t-shirt, with an amazing design and help a wonderful cause at the same time. So contact me today and get your shirt or poster.
and welcome back to the show. Usually we start off every week with some news from the Ontario independent wrestling scene, and we're going to actually get to do some of that because this past week we found out that Ontario in certain areas can move into stage three of opening for business in the pandemic era that we're currently living in. So some of the news that's going on is the fact that Tyson Duke's Wrestle Factory is going to be reopening for business on August 3rd. Classes will happen on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, depending on your skill level. And Tyson will be reopening the doors for you to come back and start learning the craft of wrestling. He's also looking for strategies to open up his own organization called Hammerlock Wrestling. Currently, he has Hammerlock Apparel, which you can check out and purchase at any time. Then, New School Wrestling has announced that they're going to have a show at the Knights of Columbus on August 15th in Hamilton, Ontario. August 16th, Destiny Wrestling is hosting Summer Heat in the parking lot of Battle Arts Academy in Mississauga. As per the regulations with Ontario reopening, events can only have 50 people indoors and 100 people outdoors. So in this case, they're going to do an outdoor show in the parking lot with only 100 people in attendance and $10 donation along with a barbecue. So be sure to check out Destiny Wrestling with Summer Heat. With Ontario also moving into Phase 3 of business, there's been a few announcements of those shows and we're going to be on the lookout for any other shows that happen to be scheduled between now and the next week or so we'll see what happens and maybe even more restrictions will be lifted and more people can attend wrestling shows looking at some other news there's been rumors of billy corgan shutting down nwa they've been unable to run any shows those of late with the pandemic going on, a number of talent have also opted to leave the company. However, Corgan released a statement saying that the NWA will not be closing down. ACH is returning to wrestling for Game Changer Wrestling's homecoming event. This past week on SmackDown, they had a bit of a different feel to the start. It reminded me a lot of how Saturday Night's May event used to start with everybody running down who they're going to go against. And there was music in the background... They didn't have the graphics that they usually uh, do on Saturday Night's Main Event, but it had a definite different feel to it. The show also included Cesaro getting a victory for a change over Big E, and that helped set up their match for tonight at Extreme Rules. AJ Styles retained his IC title against Matt Riddle. The tag team matchup featured Nikki Cross and Asuka, who are challenging or in the women's title matches against their champions and challengers of Bailey and Sasha. And Sasha and Bailey picked up the victory in that. Plus, there was a the return of Bray Wyatt at his swamp. And next week, for some unknown reason, not on tonight's card, Jeff Hardy is going to go against Sheamus in a barroom brawl. And finally, in this uh, part of the episode for notes and news, Joey Ryan has released a statement in response to all the allegations towards him during the speaking out movement, he says that he is innocent. He's kept his silence because of his lawyers wanting to, but because there is no legal action being taken against him, he feels this is the time to be able to clear things up. 
part of his statement, he mentioned that he's been in therapy for the past two years since the separation and or divorce from his wife. And he's been going through the therapy to get that all straightened out. He has said that he's also gone through a lot of his news and notes and text messages and including receipts can actually dispute some of the allegations that are against him and those that he can't dispute he's just accounting to flirting or being inappropriate with women the video is almost an hour in length um whether or not you want to watch it and believe what he has to say that is totally up to you but that's what's going on with joy ryan we'll be right back after this next message with a rundown of fight for the fallen that happened in AEW this past week. Who's the greatest manager? Who's the greatest tag team of the 80s, the 90s, WCW, WWE, AEW, ECW, AWA, you name it. We're naming them on the Fantasy Warfare Tournament. Join Stephen O'Neill, Chris Jones, Chris Maloney, and myself on Fantasy Warfare Tournament each and every week. Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. on YouTube. Hello, what is up, everybody? It is Ocho from the Ocho and Ortiz Wrestling Podcast, home to the best kept secret in the wrestling podcasting community, our live podcast from Greektown Wrestling and Union Wrestling. We also discuss a lot of other things, WWE, AEW. Every once in a while, we throw in New Japan and ROH. Be sure you're checking out our show. We are available on most major podcasts and platforms, especially on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and our main source of uploading is Podbean, ochoandortiz.podbean.com. You can also follow us on social media, at Ocho Wrestling on Twitter, at Ocho and Ortiz on Instagram, or facebook.com slash ochoandortiz. We also do have a YouTube page, so be sure you're checking out our content there. Just search for Ocho and Ortiz in the search bar. Now, let's get you back to your regular programming. Moving on to the news for AEW. Their rankings going into Fight for the Fallen were as follows. For the tag team division, your champions are Paige and Omega with a 13-0 record. Their championship contenders at number 5. Our private party at five and three, the Young Bucks at four and two, Jurassic Express five and one, Best Friends at ten and four, and number one contenders with a perfect seven and zero record is the Dark Order. For the women, Hikaru Shida is your women's champion, and she has a thirteen and one record. Her contenders, though, that's a little bit different situation going on as. Britt Baker and Chris Statlander, who are at 4-5 and five, with a 4-4 four and four record, are out at the moment. And then Penelope Ford also has a 4-4 four and four record, and she's at number 3. And number 2 is Big Swole, with a 5-3 and three record. And number 1, Nyla Rose, sitting at a 7-2 and two record. On the men's side of things, your, cha- your champions are John Moxley, the AEW champion, at 13 and 0, Cody, the TNT champion, is sitting at 14 and 1. Contenders for the titles include Brody Lee at number five with a 5 and 1 record, Chris Jericho with a 3 and 1 record, 
Number three is Lance Archer with a 9-1 record. Number four is MJF with a perfect 7-0 record. And their number one contender with now a 6-1 record, but 6-0 going into the night, was Brian Cage. Which brings us to Fight for the Fallen, where funds for this show were going towards COVID-19 relief for people in the Florida area. They were selling shirts and taking donations, plus the Khan family has made a substantial donation to Florida to help with hunger and COVID-19 related pandemic charities. The night started off with Cody Rhodes, or Cody, defending the TNT Championship against Sonny Kiss. Cody was accompanied to the ring by the enforcer Arn Anderson, but in the crowd, Tully Blanchard, Arn Anderson's former tag team partner, was doing a lot of scouting, and they were doing a lot of telegraphing of the fact that he was scouting Cody for whatever reason. Sonny Kiss ended up stepping up his game in this match and putting on a really good performance for his standards of what we normally see out of him. But they also sold the fact that Cody was actually quite distracted and doing things he wouldn't normally do, which was kind of frustrating Aaron Anderson. And I can see where this is going to lead towards issues between Cody and Arn with Cody not listening and being unfocused. Then we saw... Cody pick up the victory with the crossroads and finish off the segment with giving Sonny Kiss a hug. And he obviously whispered something into Sonny's ear, probably congratulating him on a good match. Then FTR beat the Lucha Brothers in kind of a sloppy match with the Lucha Brothers and really feel bad for FTR. The Lucha Brothers showed up in the back of the truck, still being driven by Butcher and the Blade. Butcher and Blade were watching uh, from the ramp way and hoping the Lucha Brothers would end up winning. Obviously, that didn't happen. After the match, though, the Young Bucks came up from behind. Butcher and Blade were able to get the keys back for the truck, came to the ring. Kenny Omega came out with a cooler. They tried to be all friendly and, you know, toast each other. And FTR poured beer all over Kenny Omega, which did not please Kenny too well. They got their keys. They went back to their truck. Couldn't start it. But, you know, they got their truck back thanks to the Young Bucks. Chris Jericho had a segment, and he was doing the talk about beating Orange Cassidy. They had uh, Santana, Ortiz, and Hager out there doing a toast to the career and lack of career uh, beyond this of Orange Cassidy. And Orange Cassidy came out from the crowd and just looked at Jericho, raised his uh, thumb, and lowered it down. Actually, before we get to that part, Jericho was going on about the ratings war and has called himself the Demo God because regardless of NXT winning the ratings the last couple weeks, Jericho is claiming victory because in the demographic that matters, They've won the last couple weeks as well. So he's now deeming himself the demo god. They did the toast to Orange Cassidy. Cassidy raised his thumb, lowered it, and in a reflection of WDE old school, they did, instead of bloodbath, an orange juice bath. And Santana was doing the swimming on the 
Matt, like Vince McMahon did with the beer truck incident. Jericho was all covered in orange juice. He said he was wearing a jacket worth $7,000 and still had to go commentate with Excalibur and JR. The Elite, Kenny Omega, and the Young Bucks then beat Jurassic Express in a match that I'm really kind of disappointed in because they constantly are doing way over-the-top spots that just don't flow. And they did one with a springboard uh, in the top ropes. Canadian Destroyer, yeah, that move is getting way overdone. But at the end of the whole thing, when the Elite picked up the victory, Kenny Omega still went after Marco Stunt and was beating him down, doing a very heel tactic. They had to pull him off him, and sort of were seeing maybe a change with Kenny Omega and his uh, look. FTR were also shown during the match having a drink with Hangman Page while watching the match. Then we had the Nightmare Sisters, Allie and Brandy Rhodes, defeat Kenzie Page and MJ Jenkins. It lasted about two minutes. There was some sort of dissension with Brandy and Dustin, along with Allie, and with QT Marshall not there. They're really not caring for her being around them, but they did pick up the victory. Dustin reluctantly did raise her hand. Then we had Nyla Rose introduce Vicky Guerrero as her manager. Vicky is able, I guess, somehow to use the, her catchphrase, Excuse me! Instead of, Are you kidding me? Uh, like she had been using uh, as part of her promo and for her uh, entrance music. So this is the first woman that Vicky Guerrero has ever managed, which is not a surprise because if you listen to the Straight Talk uh, podcast by George Mackay, he had Vicky on there, and she had actually rumored about wanting to manage a woman. So that's happening. Then that led to the main event, which saw John Moxley retain his AEW championship against the FTW champion, Brian Cage. Moxley had said earlier in the night that he was uh, looking to target Cage's reconstructed arm, and Taz threw in the towel on behalf of Cage at the end of the match when Mox had uh, Cage's arm in the armbar, and he even flipped off Taz yeah, right to his face. JR and Excalibur mentioned that Taz really only threw in the towel because he needed to protect his meal ticket and didn't want Brian Cage back on the shelf for any longer because without Brian there, there's no reason for Taz to be there. Of course, Taz was commentating earlier in the night, but that leave that as it may. And so that's why that happened. And after the match... Mox had released uh, the hold. Brian Cage went after him again, and the lights went out. Darby Allen uh, was on the top rope as the lights came back on. He jumped off the rope, hitting Brian Cage with his skateboard. A little more action ensued, but in the end, Taz pulled Brian away, and they fled, leaving Moxley and Darby Allen to celebrate at the end of the show to have it go off the air. The best part really of the whole night was the commentary interaction between Jericho and JR and all the comments that were done. Jericho still continues to put over the faces even though he's a heel but he does it in a way that's also mocking and not but he does go over the top so it's a give and take there but that was what happened with fight for the fallen this past wednesday on aew dynamite 
If you're looking for insight on the hottest wrestling topics going on today and interviews, join Chris Maloney and myself each and every Thursday at 8 p.m. on TNT Thursday Night Throwdown. We're joined by different panel guests, commentators, and interviews as we break down the weekend world of wrestling. You won't want to miss it, and you can be a part of it too. That's TNT Thursday Night Throwdown each and every Thursday night on Twitch and Facebook at 8 p.m. Last night, Impact Wrestling hosted their annual Slammiversary, and it came to us from the sound studio in Nashville, Tennessee. It was mainly a card booked on a lot of returns and speculation of who would be there, plus with the fact that they had recently relieved Tessa Blanchard of her job in Impact Wrestling with her contract being up and not being able to perform, there was also a wonder of who was going to be the new Impact Wrestling champion. Weeks leading into the card, also they were doing vignettes, teasing that people formerly of WWE that were released in April would be able to come because their 90-day no-compete clause had expired by the time that the show was on. So the first match saw an open challenge by... There's also a huge tease of former WWE guys going to show up because their release from their 90-day clause, uh, no-compete, was up also as of... Friday night so we even saw Gallows and Anderson cut a promo and put it out there saying that they had signed the rumors were true and they're going to be at uh, Slammiversary so when the first match of the night was the Rascals with an open challenge one would have assumed it would have been the Good Brothers Gallows and Anderson making that challenge answered and opening the show but it wasn't it was actually the return of the motor city machine guns and they hadn't teamed together for a few years but you wouldn't have known it from the match they put on with the rascals as i said the motor city machine guns alex shelley and chris sabian are back in impact well tna but they were there first and it was great work with the Rascals of mix of high-flying and technical tag team action, and the Motor City Machine Guns picked up the victory in the opening match. Then, unfortunately, we had Moose, who's doing sort of a delusional champion uh, concept. Uh, he has resurrected the TNA championship belt, which he'd found somewhere. He's put it on white leather and gold, and he's wearing the same matching trunks in a way. Uh, but... Yeah, he thinks he's the wrestling god taking over from JBL since JBL's retired. And he took on Tommy Dreamer in a old school rules match, which basically became a hardcore match. It looked like at one point Moose jumped off the top rope and landed on a garbage can. And they said that Tommy Dreamer actually hit a cutter. Uh, the ending came with thumbtacks involved, but Moose retained his non-sanctioned TNA World Championship title that doesn't actually exist. So that was that. Hopefully they keep this going for a while with Moose, uh, trying to be delusional and think he's the actual champion, but eventually it leads to an actual title match for the Impact World title. Then we had a women's gauntlet match, which Kylie Ray ended up winning. 
Um, this match was for the number one contendership to the Knockouts title. It started out like a Royal Rumble, um, so the gauntlet match, the, that's what they call theirs. Uh, women were coming out every minute after the first two minutes of uh, action going on. And then when it got down to the last two, there was a fight there. This match, unfortunately, suffered from it being a comedy thing, especially when you had Johnny Bravo dressed as Taya Valkyrie and Rosemary two different times getting in the match and being eliminated by the women. He even eliminated some dominant people like Havoc. It just didn't make any sense. Other uh, members of the match, though, included Alicia Edwards, Havoc, Katie Forbes, that woman should never be near a wrestling ring, as far as I'm concerned. Unless you like twerking, then, yeah, she's your thing. Kira Hogan, Kimberly, uh, Kimberly Nevaeh, Madison Rain, Rosemary, Susie, Tasha Steeles, and Taya Valkyrie were all part of it. The final two were Kylie Ray and Tyler Valkyrie, and... Kylie Ray ended up picking up the victory after it looked like only about 30 seconds or so of an actual one-on-one -on -one match with Taya. So Kylie Ray is now your new number one contender for the Knockouts Championship. Then Heath, formerly known as Heath Slater, made his way to the ring uh, to announce that he was a free agent and coming to Impact. Rohit Raju ended up coming out and interrupting him, and there was some physicality there, but then eventually Heath end up leaving for the next uh, segment. That wasn't the only time we'd end up seeing Heath. We'll see uh, later what all happens. In one of the better matches of the night, Chris Bay won the X Division title from Willie Mack. It might have been a little too soon to get the title off uh, Willie Mack, but it also might have been also too soon to get the title to Chris Bay. Um, but it was a good match. I yeah, saw how that went down just yeah maybe they'll be fighting back and forth maybe willie mack will go back with rich swan maybe these guys should just form a uh, group together who knows um we'll see what uh, impact wrestling has for them in the future then the north retained their tag team titles over the mixed team of ken shamrock and sammy callahan i expected a lot more uh interaction between callahan and Shamrock as they were reluctant tag team partners and there was that whole story about don't trust uh, Sammy even though they're together uh, they did the whole turtle and or frog and scorpion uh, story John Pollock did an amazing telling of that story uh, on post wrestling a couple weeks ago um, but yeah so there wasn't as much interaction there Shamrock did a dive out of the ring even with nobody there, they just basically shrugged it off as he had too much momentum to stop himself. Uh, the North ended up picking up the victory, and then they were confronted by the Motor City Machine Guns, who looked to be wanting to go against them this Tuesday on Impact. Also speaking of Tuesday on Impact, uh, we saw Heath again, and he met up with Rhino, and they reunited because they're former tag team champions from WWE on SmackDown, the inaugural SmackDown tag team champions, that is. And as they were talking, uh, Scott Demore came up to them and cut their reunion short, said that it's a closed set, Slater doesn't even, or Heath doesn't even work there, and that he needs to go. 
Um, Rhino invited him to be his guest on Impact this Tuesday. So hopefully that gets around the whole Scott Demore thing and we're going to end up seeing Rhino get Heath a job there because, remember, Heath has kids. The second last match uh, was really good match uh, for the Knockouts title. Deanna Perrazzo upset Jordan Grace for the title by submission. Um, it's pretty sad, though, at the same time. I said this to Ryan Knight uh, when I met up with him earlier today. And if you take out the fact that Johnny Bravo did what he did during the gauntlet match and you take out Katie Forbes and stuff like that, the really garbage part of it. Um, and be serious with these women. Impact wrestling has one of the better women's divisions competing with NXT as a really good women's division, definitely way better than AEW. And it's unfortunate that they put this comedy crap in there and they look horrible instead of respectable. Um, but yeah, the quality could be so much better uh, if they were taken seriously. Impact is very stacked division that could even hold their own if they wanted to do an all women special, but they have to start treating them properly. So with this win, Deanna Perrazzo essentially will be defending eventually against Kylie Ray. Now, of course, Jordan Grace uh, does need to get her rematch potential, but right now that's where they're gearing towards is Kylie Ray and Deanna Prazo. The main event of the night was for the vacant Impact Wrestling World Championship. It was originally scheduled to be uh, the Fatal 5-Way elimination match with Michael Elgin and Tessa Blanchard, with Tessa defending the championship, but for the various reasons... They both were removed from the match. Um, so this still left Ace Austin, Eddie Edwards, and Trey to be in the match against a mystery opponent. Well, that space got filled up with the returning Rich Swan, who came out with crutches and then threw them away and started dancing, proving that he's back from injury and ready to compete for the championship. And then more music started. Another uh, gentleman came out wearing a mask, stood on the top of the ramp, and then pulled it off, and it was Eric Young, former uh, Super Eric and former Impact Wrestling Champion or TNA Champion. And so he inserted himself into the match and said it's now a Fatal 5-Way, back to the original idea that it was supposed to be. So then this was an elimination match, and uh, Trey was the first one to be eliminated from the match. Next elimination was Eric Young, which is kind of a waste for bringing back somebody, but it is what it is. And he snapped and uh, beat down on Rich Swan before leaving. Swan tried to defend himself as much as possible, but with the beating he took from Eric Young, that wasn't uh, possible, and Ace Austin ended up picking up the victory. So then this made the final two being Ace Austin and Eddie Edwards. Edwards picked up the final victory to become the new Impact Wrestling Champion. But before he could really celebrate, Austin and Madman Fulton proceeded to beat down Eddie Edwards until he was needed to be saved by the Good Brothers. So this is when Gallows and Anderson made their appearance. They got rid of Austin and Fulton. And Edwards celebrated with the Good Brothers and had some beer. Then we ended up seeing on the video screen 
EC3. And he was, I guess, the uh, one that was doing the shots of alcohol, whiskey, uh, whichever uh, he was uh, partaking in. And he was really angry and uh, threw the glass against the wall, destroying it. And yeah, basically that's the fact that he's now back, which people expected anyways. So the five people who returned from or joined from WWE being the Good Brothers, uh, Heath, Eric Young, and EC3 were all expected and they lived up to that expectation. The surprise really was more to say Machine Guns making their uh, return to Impact. Overall, I think it was a uh, decent show. There was a couple hiccups, uh, some production issues, which they really need to sh sharpen up. They, they've lasted this long. They outlasted WCW. But, yeah, hopefully things get turned around for them. They have a good creative there. They just need to get the stink of TNA off them, but then they're now embracing it. I don't know what to expect from them. But we get some new uh, blood being infused into Impact. Hopefully more eyes will go on them. They'll have a reason to be watched and hopefully prosper again. But that was Impact Wrestling Slammiversary 2020. Hey wrestling fans, join me on the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. We cover everything from the Ontario Independent Wrestling scene, AEW, WD, and everything in between. We're available on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, and everywhere you get podcasts from. Don't miss the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. And let's finish off today's show with my predictions for the horror show at Extreme Rules. It's happening tonight on the WWE Network. Currently scheduled is the New Day defending their SmackDown Tag Team titles against Cesaro and Nakamura in a tables match. Cesaro was able to pick the stipulation with his victory over Big E just the other night on Friday. I see the New Day retaining their tag team titles in this tables match because so far Cesaro and Nakamura have had the upper hand when it comes to the tables and they chose that because of their use of them over the last couple weeks so it's time for New Day to get the victory over Cesaro and Nakamura to retain their titles. MVP is going to be challenging Apollo Crews for the United States Championship. Apollo Crews hasn't been around much lately, and MVP recently introduced a new version of the United States Championship. So we'll see if Apollo can retain his title, especially with Bobby Lashley definitely going to be lurking around ringside area. For my prediction, I am going to say that Apollo Crews does retain against MVP and leads to a title match against Bobby Lashley at SummerSlam. In possibly one of the craziest uh, match concepts ever, and it's definitely going to be a cinematic version with rumors from Dave Meltzer and others that it's going to be very CGI and cinematic in its presentation, but Rey Mysterio is going to take on Seth Rollins in an eye-for-an-eye eye match where the actual winner of the match is only determined by plucking your opponent's eye out and 
I guess holding up for all to see as it's how Seth Rollins described this match winner is going to be instead of them just doing a simple blindfold match like Jake Roberts and Rick Martell did back at Wrestlemania this is what they're planning on doing and yeah it's going to be CGI'd so this will be a sight to see no pun intended Another cinematic-style match is going to be Braun Strowman in a non-title match against Bray Wyatt. Bray is back being the Eater of Worlds cult leader style that he originally came in as. And they're going to go back to Wyatt's swamp and have a battle there. I'm going to say somehow Wyatt ends up picking up the victory, which will lead us to The Fiend taking on... Braun Strowman at SummerSlam for the actual title. This will definitely be another cinematic uh, version, much like they did with when the New Day took on the Wyatt family and anything involving with Matt Hardy and the Hardy compound. Drew McIntyre is set to defend his WWE Championship against Dolph Ziggler. They've teased that Dolph gets to pick the stipulation, but instead of selling what the stipulation is and getting this match over, because this is very cold, as Dolph only issued a challenge when he got traded from SmackDown over to Raw, we don't even know what the stipulation is going into it. So, I do not see this as being the main event because of how cold this uh, matchup is, but... Drew McIntyre should retain the title and go on to defend it at SummerSlam. Bailey is going to defend her SmackDown Women's title against Nikki Cross, but I see Nikki not being successful in her challenge for the title, and this will still have Bailey holding two belts. Now, there's rumor that Bailey and Sasha want to defend the tag team titles against Lita and Trish, maybe as early as SummerSlam, and this would definitely hold off the issues between Bailey and Sasha that they've been teasing for a while but have not pulled the trigger on just yet. But they seem to be doing okay right now. They can hold off, I guess, a little bit longer from putting the dissension there. But does that mean... Sasha picks up the Raw Women's title against Asuka as she challenges Asuka tonight. And I see that one having the most momentum of the whole evening and should be the main event. I would like to see Sasha have the title in this case just because of the way the storyline has been. But I don't know. I see Asuka uh, retaining at the end of the night and those are the only matches currently scheduled for the horror show at extreme rules happening tonight on the WWE network you can also join myself chris maloney and stephen o'neill after the show on facebook and youtube as we run down everything that happened tonight and get your opinions you can send us a message and be a part of the show while you're at it so tonight on youtube and facebook through tnt and the scumbags wrestling we're going to run down everything that happened during the horror show at extreme rules 
And this concludes another episode of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. I definitely appreciate you joining me, whether it's on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from. I hope you join me later on tonight on our Facebook page as Chris Maloney and myself and Stephen O'Neill run down what happened tonight on Extreme Rules or the horror show at Extreme Rules right after the show goes off the air. We're going to run down the card, give our reflections, and hope you can join us. Plus, be sure to join us each and every Wednesday at 6 p.m. on YouTube for Fantasy Warfare Tournament. This week, we start looking at some of the greatest light heavyweights of all time. Then Thursday night at 8 p.m., Thursday Night Throwdown on Facebook and Twitch. And we'll be right back for this episode of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast number 115 when we run down all the news of the week. Plus, you can catch me on the Knights of the Squared Circle with Ryan Knight next Sunday at 12 o'clock on Coyote 103 or on Spotify. So until next time, have a great week. essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night. This podcast is part of the OIW Podcasting Network.